Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. It's primary election week, and we have our full panel, which means Rebecca Lynch from the Wisconsin Working Families Party is with us. Rebecca, good to see you. Good to be here, Matt. We missed you. You've been super busy with these <laughs> elections going on, so it's good to have you back. And we're going we're gonna to have a heavy election-focused uh, podcast this week with the elections coming up. Uh, but we also have Robert Craig, Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert, welcome. Good day, everyone. So before we get to uh, the meat of our show, and we're going to have uh, Tim Burns on. Tim Burns is the newly minted Citizen Action endorsed state Supreme Court candidate. And again, that primary election is on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this as a podcast or hearing this on the uh, 1510 radio show on Sunday. We got an election on Tuesday. Make sure you make time to get out and vote. Um, and we are strongly supporting Tim Burns. We'll have him on later to talk more about that. But before we get into the politics, we, we do want to talk about the Florida shooting. We record Thursday morning, so it's sort of front of our brain. Unfortunately, the way this world works, by Sunday, you know, these things start to recede because of the inevitable reality, and we've talked about this, that nothing is likely to happen to address this situation. Um, and so again, we had, what, 17 uh, teachers and students shot by a former student at the school. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask for both of your comments, but Robert, I know this is a particular issue that upsets you because of, well, for good reason, uh, mm -hmm. because of the way Republicans are always talking about mental health, right? As opposed to as a surrogate for actually doing anything, they blame mental health. And let's well, talk more about that. they're not talking about it because they care about mental health. They're talking about it because that's what their poll-tested response is uh, to their gun policies, their NRA policies. And so if you, this is the only country in the world as, um, uh, Senator Chris Murphy was saying on MSNBC last night, who, who lived through Sandy Hook, where this is a regular occurrence. And so what other countries have, they have reasonable gun control, and every other advanced industrial country has universal health care. So if you had all the warning signs that the school saw, because there were a lot of them, then there would have been much more direct referral to mental health treatment. But now it's on the family and the family to figure out what's covered, what's not, to know what to do, all privatized, essentially. And health insurers that, of course, make profit by figuring out how to cover things. So the family is, even if they wanted to, uh, to do this, uh, w is, is right that they, it might not be covered, right? And so we know prevention is the, is the best cure and then very robust treatment for people who really need help. We also know the other thing is the Republican response stigmatizes people with mental health issues. A very small percentage of people who have mental health issues become violent. And in fact, they're much more likely to be the victims of violence than the cause. But they, of course, also in their response say that all violence is from mentally ill people, which is also not true. It's a very small segment of them. Um, and a lot of them are, are facing trauma. I just want to say that what is disturbing, you know, there's kind of and some of our listeners are this way, we want to be nonpartisan, we want to be objective and say both sides have a point. If you think about guns, the NRA's approach has been to lie and to emotionally trigger people to create a base to vote people out of office who want to do anything reasonable and lie 
that people want to take away their hunting guns, okay? And there is no progressive, major progressive interest group that lies in this fashion. Planned Parenthood, I know some of you may disagree, does not just make it up and then build a movement about lies and then block off any action by, by, by the entire side of the political spectrum, no matter what in the, in the U.S. Congress. That's what the NRA does, and that's what conservatives like Paul Ryan and, Paul, and, and Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell, that they are all fine with that because they want power. So we're not going to go into any greater depth on this topic because we have talked about it before. I'm sure we're going to talk about it again, but um, Robert, your words were well spoken. So with that, though, we want to talk a little bit about the fact that we have these important primary election on Tuesday. So statewide, we have the Supreme Court race, but uh, in most areas, we have really important municipal elections, and that includes county boards, some city councils, judicial, local judicial races, um, school boards. Uh, but it's very important that you get out and vote, and a number of our co-ops have canvases operating in support of our candidates that are running for office. Um, so, for example, here in Milwaukee, um, we have Steve Shea, who is running for a Milwaukee County Board. And, Rebecca, I know you've been heavily involved in helping Steve, and, and so he has activities this weekend. If we have any of our listeners in the Milwaukee area who want to help him, could you talk a little more about that? Yeah, definitely. So Steve's been working hard, a Citizen Action Co-op member, AFT member, running for a Milwaukee County Supervisor on a strong platform of resisting the paid parking plan for our public parks, the only candidate in the race to really voice his strong opposition to that plan, and thankfully it's not moving forward, uh, but also privatization of the airport, protecting parks generally. Um, Steve is really running a great campaign. He needs help. It's a grassroots campaign. There's a, a super PAC on the other side that we know to be funded by um, Chris Abley, our county, our county executive, where they've flooded people's mailboxes with mail. And the only way to beat organized money is organized people. So if folks are available, we've got canvases this weekend on Saturday and Sunday at the Cudahy Public Library. Yep. Uh, Saturday is 9.30 a.m. Sunday is noon. Yep. And then on Monday evening, folks um, anywhere you live all over the state can phone bank from home and we're going to be doing that from 5.15 until we finish. Um, so we say to 8.30, but could be sooner. And uh, we walk people through that at 5.15 over the phone. It's really simple. And we did it uh, the other night on Tuesday. And folks using the system for the first time really enjoyed it once they got the hang of it. Yeah, I made calls. It's really easy. I strongly encourage you to do it. You don't have to do any dialing. You just get live bodies. Great conversations. People actually really... Uh, these are likely primary voters we're talking to, so people really enjoy the conversation, uh, so please uh, sign up for that. Also, uh, Leah Schreiber-Johnson is running in Oak Creek. She is, well, you can go to her house uh, in Canvas uh, any time this weekend, but I know she has people over there and will accept you from 10 until uh, like 2 in the afternoon. We'll have links in all of uh, contacts for where you can go in Milwaukee, in Eau Claire, uh, Jeff Smith and our Western Wisconsin Cooperative has been 
doing canvases for almost a month now, every Saturday. And so you can go uh, to the, uh, I think it's called the Wisconsin Democracy Office. I think everybody knows where it is downtown. I think it's on Barstow. Uh, and anytime at, from 10 o'clock on, they're there on Saturday. And you can go in and uh, support endorsed candidates. And the goal in Eau Claire is we have a real shot in Eau Claire to have our first majority female county board up there with some really good progressives. So really want to encourage people to get out and support our uh, uh, local candidates. Yeah, and there's a there's potentially a hot issue up there that relates to gender equality, and that is an attempt to 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 prevent elected officials from breastfeeding. Uh, uh, and so that's something that that's that's big in Eau Claire right now. Also, for our radio listeners, if you go to citizenactionwi.org and go to the background Wisconsin section, you will find all the links that our host is referring to. So, um, one other thing I want to mention before we go to break. And that is that uh, we had a very successful kickoff with our gubernatorial uh, forum in Eau Claire. And I want to thank all the members and listeners who were able to get out uh, and see this. Uh, we had seven of the top nine Democratic candidates there. And the members and, and others packed the Children's Theater in downtown Eau Claire. Yep. Great crowd, about 250 people. Um, really appreciate everyone who filled out the surveys that are helping our board, you know, process this and our leaders uh, make those decisions. So we really thank you. Uh, we will be by next week. We'll have uh, be able to announce the the next forum. We believe it's going to be in Wausau, but we'll have that more inf information with you. But with that, we got to get out of here. We got to take a break. When we get back, we're going to have a uh, 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 state supreme court candidate Tim Burns. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. And for this segment, we are really excited to have with us our newly endorsed candidate for state Supreme Court, and that is Tim Burns. Tim, thanks for uh, taking the time to join us uh, this morning. Thanks for having me, Madam. I am so thrilled to have the Citizen Action endorsement. Um, I have been so impressed with your group over the past several months, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. Look, it was for us, um, with our new uh, member cooperatives, it was probably the most rigorous process we've had for this, including both a forum we had back in September to start to get people interested and lots of member involvement in terms of uh, sampling with our elected uh, leaders throughout our co-ops uh, before it even got to our board. So it was uh, truly earned. Uh, but with that, let's get into the details about you, Tim, and why you're running and why this campaign is so important. So give a word about my background, and I think that explains a lot of the reason why I'm running right now. But my grandparents were Mississippi sharecroppers, and my father uh, dropped out of school in the fifth grade, was really forced out because of poverty. And my mother sort of forced out of school by poverty in the 10th grade. But I grew up, you know, a generation later after America had this thriving middle-class economy of small businesses, small farms, worker movements, public education. Um, our diverse communities were um, thriving more and more um, at the time. And that economy and that democracy gave me the opportunity to work hard and become one of the top lawyers in the country. And part of this is giving back. Part of it is a huge concern 
that we've got into a place where the children of people who struggle no longer have the opportunity that I had growing up. And I want to make sure that opportunity is available for people now um, and for my children and grandchildren. Uh, this is Robert, Tim, and, and I just want to say that i uh, very impressed because you've taken a very unorthodox approach to a judicial election. And I just think in this day and age where the far right and, and corporate interests have taken over ours and other state Supreme Courts with big money, with candidates that claim to be neutral interpreters of the law but are far from it, are literally just, literally, all, we know how they're going to vote, right, period, on any major case that affects a business interest or a right-wing politician, that you naming that, of course, someone's values influence the way they interpret the law. And just saying that out front and then describing what your judicial philosophy is rather than pretending that we're electing these neutral, almost like uh, robot arbiters of what the law says. Right. This notion of a nonpartisan, nonpolitical judiciary, one, has never been true in our country. But two, um, it's really permitted a fraud on our democracy. It's allowed the stealth candidates to come in and say, oh, I'm just an umpire. I just call balls and strikes. That's all the um, high court judges do. And it has allowed them to get on our high courts and become right-wing social engineers um, as soon as they're elected. And we just have to stop the fairy tale. If that's the greatest thing that comes out of my campaign, wow, I feel like I've accomplished something because, you know, listening to these guys like Justice Roberts on the U.S. Supreme Court talk about calling balls and strikes and then gutting 50 or 60 years of uh, United States Constitution, Commerce Clause, jurisprudence, uh, gutting part of the Voting Rights Act, uh, uh, gutting the Violence Against Women's Act and portions of the American Disabilities Act. We, we just have to face the reality that courts are the final say in every political issue in this country and that these judges have political values that matter. Um, you know, Judge, I'm probably going to mispronounce the name. Uh, I won't after all the ads after the general, if he's there. The right-wing judge, Skronik or Skronik, claims on his website he's all about stare decisis, which, of course, uh, for our listeners, uh, Tim knows very well, is following precedent. And yet, this is a man who worked on Defensive Act 10 for Governor Walker, with a union-busting law firm, worked on this, uh, this unconstitutional map for the legislature that may get overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court, and he wants to join a majority that shredded campaign finance law and all precedent by ruling to protect Governor Walker that coordination was suddenly legal, and yet this guy wants to say stare decisis actually real worried right now whenever the right-wing ideologues start talking about stare decisis, because that's like winter talk. They've shredded the precedent of three generations of American courts, and now and by instituting their own decisions and going against that precedent, now they want everybody to follow the precedent they've created. No, thank you. 
Uh, Tim, this is Rebecca Lynch uh, from the Wisconsin Working Families Party, and we just, uh, as we were sitting here, sent out our press release announcing our endorsement of you. We're really excited about that. <laughs> how about that? We're breaking news on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, That's my always back on my face. <laughs> these two organizations that have been action and Working Families Party endorsing me are like the highlight of the campaign. So thank you. Thank you for running. We're really thrilled that you're running and running on the strong platform that you are. Uh, the, I had a question for you. I think it might be helpful for our listeners uh, to hear. What do you think the big issues are um, facing the state that are going to come before the state Supreme Court in the in the next year or so? I think the um, two biggest issues that I see are, one, the continuing concentration of corporate wealth uh, in our country, which has led to uh, the demise and the weakening of our small businesses, small farms, worker movements, and whether we're going to allow that to continue um, because, you know, the more it hurts our middle class economy, the more courts tilt in favor of big business and concentrated wealth and against um, regular working people and small business owners, our democracy becomes weaker and weaker. And, you know, decisions every day will end up dealing with that issue. That's really what these high courts are about. And the other issue is the great moral issue of our day right now. Are we going to continue to allow for the mass incarceration of people of color in the state? And, you know, I've said many times and other people have said that we spend more on our prison system than our university system now. But it's more than that. It's a moral outrage to the dignity and equality of our fellow citizens. And we need to have the moral courage to deal with that issue. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned that, Tim. You know, the Working Families Party in Philadelphia was part of a core group of um, activists and organizations that recruited someone to run for district attorney and then um, pushed that person into victory. And, you know, Larry Krasner is now a DA, someone who would have never been a DA. And I think there's so much work that we need to do uh, in the justice system itself uh, where people are judges or district attorneys who can, you know, on the inside make decisions that are decisions leaning towards, you know, liberation and away from mass incarceration. And so, you know, that's something you've been really vocal about and is really important to, you know, Citizen Action co-op members, to Working Families Party voters. Uh, and I, you know, I think to the question of whether or not we have a quote-unquote activist judge, all judges are activists one way or the other when it comes to that issue. So something that's really important to us. Totally agree. And, you know, it's um, good that you brought up Pennsylvania, Rebecca, because there are many things we can learn from um, Pennsylvania right now. But, you know, that um, in November 2015, they did elect a progressive Supreme Court. Um, so it shouldn't surprise anybody right now, but that court has taken the first dramatic step that we've really seen at um, dealing with partisan gerrymandering at a high court, final court level. 
And it was great that the League of Women Voters of Pennsylvania could file that um, case in state court before a progressive Supreme Court. To that end, before we let you go really quickly, uh, what would you say to our listeners who uh, in the final few days want to do something to help you? What would you what would you ask them to do? Um, please reach out to the campaign or one of the great groups that is supporting us, like uh, Working Families Party Citizens Action, Our Revolution. Reach out to the groups. There's plenty to do, and we need your help because we don't want to just win this race. We want to send a message that this is how you win races, by being utterly candid about your political values and the importance of political values and standing up for the rights of working people and people um, who are struggling. I, I think that is what is going to win elections for people on the Democratic or the left-wing side over the coming years. But it's more than that. It's a moral necessity that we do that in our state. For too long, we've stopped fighting the war on poverty, and too long we've have made inadequate efforts in the struggle for civil rights in this country, and we've let our democracy and middle-class economy wither. We have to get back to our best days, not what we've become. Well, with that, we got to let you go. We really appreciate you taking the time. We're really thrilled you're running. And again, we want to encourage everybody to get out and vote on Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us today, Tim. Thank you so much. All right. We're Battleground Wisconsin, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. Again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We want to thank... Our previous uh, uh, guest, and that is the amazing Tim Burns, who is our newly endorsed state Supreme Court candidate. And again, want to remind everybody, get out and vote on Tuesday. So our next guest is going to join us for two segments here. And it's because we, we have a very interesting and somewhat complicated topic. And it has not been getting a lot of attention. And that is the effort to get rid of the state treasurer. You in on your ballot in April are going to have on there the opportunity to get rid of the state treasurer. The yeah. opportunity, yes. Yeah. I'm using like Republican language here. Or, uh, but anyways, um, so our first guest is Sarah Godlewski, and she is a member of the Citizen Action Organizing Co-op in western Wisconsin and has been spearheading an effort to fight this, uh, this, this ballot measure. Sarah, thanks for, first of all, for fighting this uh, ballot measure, but uh, for joining us today to educate our listeners about this. Thanks, Matt, for having me. So I bet you this is, I'm willing to bet that for many of our listeners, well over half, this is the first time they will ever even heard that there's a ballot measure or what it's really about. So could you just give us some background as to what this is all about and why it's so important. And, and then we'll dive into the details over the next uh, 20 minutes. Yeah, and maybe I can even share my journey because like a lot of Wisconsinites, I had no idea that this was on the ballot either. Um, so how I even kind of stumbled upon this is my background is in finance <laughs> and I wanted to do work around economic empowerment. Um, whether it's in rural Wisconsin or Milwaukee, and typically those efforts happen out of the treasurer's office because the treasurer 
is our chief banker and investor for the state. Uh, so around this spring, I wanted to kind of meet with our state treasurer and see if there's more things we could do around financial literacy and in the startup world and innovation and um, find out that our state treasurer has actually been lobbying to remove this office, which to me, from like a business perspective, is crazy because this is a separately elected office. It's been a part of the Constitution since 1848. And the reason why it's a separate elected office is because they're the ones that are responsible for kind of seeing how taxpayer dollars are spent. And so in my world, that's like saying you fire your chief financial officer and give those responsibilities to your CEO. That's reckless. Um, and what's really interesting is that this ballot measure on April 3rd, what it is saying is it is removing the state treasurer and giving those responsibilities to the governor and lieutenant governor. So, Sarah, where does all this come from? Is this something that's been sweeping the country? Where, where uh, Now, you mentioned the state treasurer supports this. If I'm correct, Adam Check, and I, that is his name, ran on the idea that he wanted to get rid of the office he was running. And it, it, so where is this all coming from? Why is there this effort to get rid of this office? So if you actually look at what the office does, there's really, I would argue, four key roles. And a lot of it is about controlling money. So one of the roles of this office is it's the kind of financial advisor and decision maker for the Common School Fund. And the Common School Fund has is a $1.2 billion trust fund. And that trust fund is guarantees public funding for um, public school libraries. So, for example, last year, that fund provided $32.1 million to public school libraries and kind of media development. So whether that's um, computers or hardware, things that we want our students to have um, those critical skills for the 21st century. And the other critical part is that it provides low-interest loans for municipalities. So literally every county in this state has used this trust fund um, for public purpose projects. So, for example, whether it is um, like Kenosha, I believe, recently used it for their water and sewage treatment plant, like they wanted to do a reconstruction. Um, I think it's in Superior. They use this fund for public safety to buy police cars and fire trucks. And so it is a low-interest loan program where municipalities can kind of use this money because their community banks would charge them an interest rate at at least 5%. And in the recession, banks weren't even lending to local communities. And so it's something that's always there as kind of this public safety net. Um, and, and so it's been used kind of for economic development. Um, the other interesting role, um, in addition, is that it oversees about 88,000 acres of public land. Um, and these are school trust lands that um, have some of the most rare and unique kind of ecological features, whether it's kind of um, these trout streams or kind of unique trails. And so if we no longer have a separate office 
seen this $1.2 billion trust fund in these public lands, and it's given to the governor and lieutenant governor, they're going to have access to really use that however they want. And we've started to see legislation kind of indicating this. Um, the legislator has proposed where they can invest in real estate. They don't need to get approval, for example, to build a jail. And we all know Lincoln Hills and how we're going to potentially finance that. So they can use the trust fund to build jails, which in essence is going to be depleting that fund. So there's not going to be money that's needed for public schools that rely on this money year after year. So, Sarah, the thing that jumps out at me the most is the fiscal watchdog role. And it just seems like it's the constitutional point, as you laid out in your analogy to a corporation, which of course was not fully fleshed out in 1848, but the CEO versus the CFO. And I think the argument of Republicans and some Democrats uh, who support this is that the treasurer hasn't really been fulfilling those functions, but that seems to be more an element of kind of this centralization of power in the CEO that's happened, especially under Tommy Thompson, and that Governor Walker has um, uh, continued, uh, but also just not having treasurers who would take on the role. It just seems to me this treasurer, a good treasurer, be, would be de delving into w Wisconsin Act Development Corporation, WEDAC, and how it gives away money without even tracking the jobs, or delving into Foxconn, or delving into Governor Walker seemingly given a tax cut bribe to Wisconsin families, which he claims we can afford right before an election, uh, which is not seen to be a sound fiscal practice. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, one of the responsibilities of the treasurer is to inspect and examine um, state financial transactions and taxpayer dollars. So in essence, if you had a person that was really embracing these responsibilities, like being a chief auditor, they could then look at the Foxconn deal, look at what are taxpayer dollars being used for WEDAC and, and ask for that accountability, which currently isn't happening. Hi, Sarah. This is Rebecca Lynch with the Wisconsin Working Families Party. Uh, I am uh, embarrassed to say that I actually didn't know that this was happening. And I imagine that there are probably a host of listeners, um, Citizen Action Co-op members, people who listen on the radio who might be in that same boat. So I was wondering if there are people, I'm outraged, this is outrageous, I'm so glad you're doing this work. If there are people who are listening who want more information or want to be involved in some way for the next few days or, when is, is this on the ballot in April? April oh, so in the next few, several weeks, um, you know, where can they get information, resources, a way to plug in to help spread the word about this? Yeah, no, Rebecca, that's a great question. So we're launching a website um, on February 21st. That's going to be saveourfiscalwatchdog.org. Again, that's saveourfiscalwatchdog.org. And on that website, they can find information on kind of the ballot measure, what's going to be asked, but more um, explicitly, too, how this impacts whether it's the environment, public schools, retirees, or their local community. Uh, and there are three ways that they can act. One is they can sign a petition that will be on that site. The other way is that we are now passing resolutions at the local level, so whether it's their local city, county, um, or their school board, so they can encourage these, um, their local municipalities and cities to to pass these resolutions, and then finally, um, they're just making a pledge to vote no on April 3rd. So with that, 
We're going to take a brief break, but when we get back, we want to talk a little bit more about that tactic, right? That idea of actually getting local folks uh, on uh, county boards and uh, city councils because it, it, it's part of the education process. But with that, again, we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back. This is the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. And in the previous section, we are getting educated today by Sarah Gadalewski about this ridiculous, it, it really is an anti-democratic effort to get rid of the state treasurer. And in, in particular, we want to talk a little bit more about what uh, Sarah just started talking about, this idea that you can get involved, anyone who's listening in your community, by trying to pass resolutions locally that would be in opposition to this and, and having this be something that helps educate people since so many people don't know what's going on around this. So Sarah, talk a little bit more about that. Are there any communities that have started doing this and, and what would you suggest to folks who maybe would like to uh, reach out to their local city council uh, about this? Matt, thanks for really emphasizing this because it is all about the grassroots. Um, there have been right now uh, the Eau Claire School Board uh, just recently introduced a resolution last Monday, and I believe it's um, being scheduled to be passed this week. And, and we are working with the School Board Association to further share this information. And then up north, um, looking at communities around Oneida County. Uh, they have been recipients of significant economic development aid from this trust fund. And so it's fascinating because if you go to this website, which is Wisconsin's Board um, of Commissioners of Public Lands, so that stands for BCPL, you can actually find out how much money your community has used and for what um, from this trust fund. And so you can really understand how it has impacted you. Uh, and so we're kind of encouraging people to go to that website to find out how their community has been impacted and then to pass these resolutions um, at the local level. Let's say this, th this, uh, this bill goes down and loses, right? Um, let's talk about, what, first of all, what are the odds of that, right? Um, I, it's my understanding you guys have done a little bit of polling where is the public at on this issue? So it's, it's interesting because if you look at historically amendments in Wisconsin, for the last 10 constitutional amendments, we have passed every single one. <laughs> so when we found this out, we were like, uh-oh, we want people to vote no, what are the odds? Um, and so in our polling, basically what we came to the conclusion is that people overall want to save their fiscal watchdog, but it is close. <laughs> and when you educate people, we have kind of discovered that you can improve by over 10 points to ensure that they vote no on April 3rd, which is why it's so critical that folks at home really start sharing this with their neighbors and encouraging them to go to the polls to vote no for this amendment. With that, um, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know before we, before we wrap up? Yeah, I think just kind of a fun fact is that if Wisconsin does pass this, we will be the only state without a treasurer or a financial equivalent. Wow. 
So this is something that I don't think we want to lead on. We don't really so I, need again, one, right? We're so well run. Our government is so well run and so responsible. <laughs> right, right. I don't want to lead in this way. Um, I think that we want to keep our fiscal watchdog. So, again, I encourage everyone to vote no and thanks to Citizen Action and the Working Family Parties for um, having me and, and, and sharing and building the awareness. Yeah, no, and we're really glad that you're out there doing this work. But, you know, your answer to that about us being the only state, it, it really does then go back to begging the question, where is this coming from, right? And why now? Why all of this? So, folks, get out there. Please educate your neighbors. Let's, uh, if you're interested in learning more about how you could move this in your municipality, feel free to reach out to us. We're interested in, in supporting that effort. We think that that is a great way to educate the public. Well, Sarah, thanks a lot for joining us, and thanks for being a member of Citizen Action. Thanks for having me. Okay, great. Well, again, we want to thank Sarah for joining us and educating us. But before we close, we want to hit a couple of quick topics. One includes, we want to announce that we have a new app at Citizen Action. Robert. Citizen Action Wisconsin. An app? app? On Google Play and on Apple Store. And the app has all of the Battleground Wisconsin shows. So if you missed anything, if you were listening on the radio and you only heard the second half, go right to the app and you can listen to the beginning. It's the best app. Uh, You can hook up with with all all six of our organizing co-ops. You can see our No Sacred Cows blog, see our Facebook and Twitter feeds. It's fantastic, and we want comment back because we can add more features based on, you know, on, on member input. One thing that the app does have for, for members, particularly for our co-op members out there, if you have a friend who you think should be a member, the app has a very easy way. You can go on and sign them up right from for the phone. For one of the six co-ops. Yep, yeah. for any one of the co-ops. So, so we want to encourage you, if you download that app, you, w- when you're out with a friend who you think should join, you can literally pop out your app and have them fill and out their information. And they can do it on their phone. So yep. they just download the app. Never you have to handle their credit card at all. Right. So, and so, so who should we thank for the app? Oh, not Brian Wildridge, the producer who well, makes the it, podcast yeah. after and every week. I'm biased. It was first researched by my nephew Delano, who was a volunteer. <laughs> then Brian took over Delano's project, uh, the and you get the result. That podcast we have today. Brian, producer Brian. <laughs> so, folks, listen to the app. It's a new way uh, you can definitely follow this show and get the, our latest blogs or anything that we're putting out, and certainly connects us to Facebook and Twitter, where we're extraordinarily active daily. Before we go, though, Robert and Rebecca, today, and again, we record on Thursday, we have a a terrible bill that, what, likely to pass our welfare reform bill that we've talked about. Um, And I know both of you had some thoughts you wanted to comment on before we close. So it it is welfare, our our beat up on the poor week, which is always in season on election seasons for right-wing politicians to blame people who are the most disadvantaged uh, for, the, for their own situation, which are you know, created by structural problems and disadvantage. So never mind that there are all these barriers to finding jobs and the jobs aren't where people are and they're not living wage jobs and they're actually set up to be contingency jobs so no one's supposed to stay there long term, say fast food jobs, right? Forget about and not that. careers, right? And just say that people who get badger care I mean, and upper middle class people can't afford health care. So lower income people, uh, people who need food assistance, people who need housing assistance, that we should have. They keep calling them work requirements. They get really bad training that doesn't work requirements because uh, Walker's uh, uh, play on this on food shares 
he likes to tout that about a little over 20,000 people got jobs and what act about, like... What about the 80,000? They got didn't? jobs initially. There's no tracking on whether that jobs were, were, were sustained, and there were over 80,000 who got no jobs at the beginning. So I would say an 80% fail rate with people who now don't get food is a problem, right? But not for Scott Walker, it's a great success. So to remember, it's not a, they're not work requirements. But then this parallels Trump's budget, which has horrendous attacks on the poor as well, including the already becoming infamous harvest baskets, where instead of giving people uh, food, uh, food stamps where they can go and choose their own food, they're going to get a box in the mail of what the agribusiness, because this comes from Sonny Purdue, his agriculture secretary, has decided to put in, which is like canned peas no one else would buy, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's going to work really well, and that isn't punishing the poor. But the harvest baskets or, or boxes are already becoming quite unpopular. They, they, they've tried to compare them to Blue Apron, like it's upscale, <laughs> fancy meals that people order. My head hurts just yeah. hearing this information. It, it's, uh, Robert, I wanted to end the show <laughs> on an up. <laughs> the harvest, this is terrible. Rebecca, any final thoughts? And then we have the wetlands, too. Right? Yeah. And the wetlands, too, yeah. And so, so on um, the quote-unquote welfare reform, um, folks listening on the radio on Sunday, by then, it'll all be over, right, Robert? Or a lot of it. There are votes on Thursday. I'm not sure we... I mean, Governor won't have signed it, probably, but he'll have a big proclamation. I'm taking on the poor. <laughs> and they're on hammocks, as he said, in the state of the state. Yes. Like, like they're on hammocks, yeah. Yeah, it's a... It's a Fascinating juxtaposition to what Tim Burns said earlier in the podcast today, where he said, you know, we stopped fighting. We, you know, we gave up on the war on poverty and we need to fight that war again. And instead, like you said, it's a war on the poor instead of a war on poverty. But I guess that's the state of the state right now. And it's a war on wetlands. We have record flooding and our solution is get rid of regulation of, uh, of wetlands, right? It's great. We're seeing the great right-wing vision enacted in our state, a great Petri dish. So welcome flooding, work, welcome water pollution. Well, with that, we're going to wrap this up. And Rebecca, I like the way you put it. Tim Burns is the future, and he's got a new vision. Folks, get out and vote this Tuesday, February 20th. It's very important. And vote Tim Burns for state Supreme Court. We want to thank Tim Burns, by the way, for being on. We want to thank Sarah Godlewski for being on. And we want to thank Brian Wildridge, who produces the podcast. And we'll see you next week here at the Battleground, Wisconsin.